0: This Sunday is the persecuted church Sunday. And uh, it's a grim and ugly thought. But it's a thought which sensitive and aware people realize is a description of characteristics of the Church of Jesus Christ that are extraordinarily. Important. And so I would like to think with you about that today, this morning, and uh, this evening. We're going to hear about persecution once again. But just now I'd like to have you turn to the ninth chapter of the book of Acts. Acts. And uh, I will read quite a bit of this, so you can pay attention, but uh, I'll read at least through verse 16. This is what the Bible says, Acts 9, Acts 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples, He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found anywhere, anyone, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether man or woman, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord, Saul asked. I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Paul stood there, speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Paul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. And for three days he was blind and didn't eat or drink anything. And in Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called him in a vision. Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask him for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he's praying. And in the vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to our saints in Jerusalem. And he's come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Now you can read the rest of that chapter, possibly later today, whatever, because it's about this remarkable person who is described here, a man whose name was Saul. And Saul is distinguished in the Bible because of the fact that with vigor, and determination, and a deep hatred in his heart. He went after these people who had recently become the followers of Jesus Christ. We're here today, among other things, to think about the persecuted church. And some of you, I know, who perhaps have traveled in many places You know that the church is persecuted today as it was then. And is persecuted with a terrible fervor, ugly and horrible in many places. But as we look at this, as we read this passage, and as we begin to see what is developing today, among the churches and particularly among those who are being persecuted. God summons us to do something which some would consider almost comic, almost ridiculous. And that is this. The best thing that can happen to the church is that it be persecuted. that it come up against those who want it destroyed. And the sooner the better. And certainly, the person who is introduced in the beginning of the ninth chapter of the book of Acts was a person who wanted nothing more in all his heart but to see the church destroyed. For him the way the church was going was almost a dramatic profanity. He was one of those, when he thought about religion, he thought about the Hebrews. He thought about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as well he might. But then there was this group, a sectarian group, which wanted to be called a church. And it was a kind of religious rubbish, kind of religious ugliness, which made Saul, who is the one who opens this passage, fill up with hatred and dedicate himself to discovering those people wherever he could and doing whatever he could to destroy them completely. Any kind of structure that they might have, they would go out. This man, Saul, was determined to go out. And so he got special papers that enabled him to go out. And if he found any people who belonged to the way, as it's called here, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners. To Jerusalem. There, as the church was born, the first thing that we read of it is that it was persecuted. Persecuted. From the very first day there were people like this man, Saul, who would have done anything to destroy it. Who hated it with a deep passion. And so this passage begins. And we see Saul at its beginning breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. And he went to the high priest, and well, we read that. And now, my dear brothers and sisters let us not fail to see the enormously potential point that the Holy Spirit is making in this chapter of the Bible. And that is this. The best thing that can happen to the church is that it be persecuted. When the church is not persecuted when it is simply received as well. Yes, indeed, we have a lot of religious people in our culture, in our society, and whatnot else. And and one of them is uh, well. There are some people here who are reformed, and some who are Roman Catholic and Methodist, and and um, some who talk about the Holy Spirit's power. We have all of those kinds of things, and we want to make a place for all of them. We don't want to make our environment dangerous or very, very, very uncomfortable for them. We want them all to enjoy freedom and being what they want to be. This is, of course, the exact opposite of that. This man, Saul, he saw it with a clarity that he could not escape these people. If they are not stopped, they will destroy us all. He saw that. I mean, this is an inspired word of God. This isn't just something somebody made up. This is real. And as this persecutor of the church drew near to, a, drew near to Damascus, on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground, and he heard Jesus speak to him. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. You know, I've grown up in the Christian Reformed Church. Many of you have as well. I went to a Christian school. I went to Sunday school. And that's all good stuff that I learned, but you know one thing it did? That was bad for me. It made me begin to think that, why, yes, of course. The truths that are found on the pages of the Bible, there's nothing particularly exciting about them. I knew about this man, Saul, when I was four years old, five years old, six years old. It was part of the Bible story. That's what it was. It was something interesting. And sometimes, those of us who have been Christians for years and years and years, we, we simply receive our Christianity as a kind of the furniture of our lives. Yeah, you know, there's some people who are this and some people, but we are, yes. And we stress this and we stress that. This morning, let us hear the message of the Word of God, which says, It's good when the people of God are persecuted. And when the Apostle Paul, oh, it was still Saul here. Saul, he hated them with a passion when he was suddenly struck to the ground. That fact, when that happened, that became the great Moment in which everything changed for the Church of Jesus Christ when their enemy was revealed, and God met their enemy and turned them into the person who would be used as he wielded the sword of persecution he would be used to bring the church to life and give it the structures that nowadays even take for granted this was saul, saul. and as I've been working with this and thinking about it somewhat, I, I've been thinking to myself, Joe, you know, you've just been taking that all for granted. But the fact of the matter is, this man, Saul, the persecutor of the church, became the foundation of the church. He wrote so many of the New Testament books. The words that we know, that we learn from the book of Romans, that we memorize. God used Saul. Oh no, he wasn't Saul anymore because in the 13th chapter of the book of Acts we actually read that this changeover of his name. That he was the one When Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at at Elimus, You're a child of the devil. He was fighting for the church here. And he still carried that name Saul to a certain degree, but his main became Paul. He's the one who wrote 12, 13 of the books of the New Testament The book of Romans, with its powerful revelation of the fullness of Jesus and the wonder of God's grace, talking about God's electing love, which is revealed in the very depths of eternity itself, so that if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, If you love Jesus and you know he loves you, you know that God loved you before the creation of the world. He knew you. Paul was used to bring the truth, the full truth of God's great salvation. But here in this ninth chapter of the book of Acts, we see him, like a member of the Gestapo in Germany, going out to get those followers of Christ and destroy them. Oh, my brothers and sisters, as you know, we've been involved, too, in this, in this particular church for many years in the past and all that sort of thing. You can become used to the church you can become accustomed to the church you can just think well yes of course that's the kind of church we are and so forth and today is a special Sunday yes we're going to think about the fact that we have some who persecute you, but God is coming to us today and saying you know the best thing that can happen to you is that you are persecuted and that you begin to realize the fact that the doctrines, the teachings that are a part of this church, this very church, they're hated by the world. They're rejected by the world. And you have to be willing to take all kinds of insult and whatnot else because you're a believer in Jesus. And you know about God's predestination, his predestinating love, whereby he chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world. Those are the truths that God has given to his church, and he's used this person who persecuted the church to give us those kinds of truths. And so we look at the mystery, how God works. And he's telling us this morning, I believe, boys and girls, men and women, when you start to be persecuted, you may know that you're doing something right if the people of the world understand that you are a special creation through the power of the Holy Spirit and you've been given the truth of God spread across the pages of his word. And so persecution is good for the church. It's good for the church. And if I may be personal for a few moments, maybe 10 moments 10 minutes i saw that and we were bringing the gospel to communist countries by radio some television persecution is so wonderful we saw it there in russia as people who knew the government was opposed to their faith, came to Jesus. Came to the very form of Christianity, which the Apostle Paul himself, or Saul, whatever you want to call it, he was part of that that predestination kind of glorious power of God that spread through the words that he wrote in his epistle, And all of that. And we were hated in Russia. Stalin hated Christianity. He would kill a Christian at the drop of a hat. Yes. But as the people there were persecuted, God worked is miracles, miracles. And let me just say this. The church cannot advance unless there are miracles. Now, when we speak about miracles, we speak about people maybe getting well after they've been sick. But the greatest miracle of all is that people are given a mindset that enables them to see the truth of salvation spread across the pages of the Bible. And that was beginning to happen About 15 years ago, there were a group of us from various Christian organizations that were invited to Russia to meet with Gorbachev and to meet with the secret police. And I remember sitting in that room room, right across from Gorbachev and there were these Christian brothers on both sides, and there were Gorbachev's staff on the other side. And when we were about to leave, I gave Gorbachev a Bible. And he took it, which amazed me. In fact, during that whole meeting, I just about had to restrain myself from just shouting out. It was so overwhelming. And he took it from me. And he held it in his hand. The Bible. And he said. He wasn't quite ready. To take it. And believe it. But he said. Raisa. His wife. She's now studying the Bible. Raisa. Amazing. This was a head of the Soviet government, which four or five years earlier had been turning against Christians. And the head of it, and by the way, he was removed from office quite soon after that, but there he held it. I'm not quite ready, he said. But Raisa, she is, and she's become a Christian. And then we went to the KGB headquarters, the secret police. And I met General Stolyarov, who was one of the two men who were the head of that secret police, the Gestapo. And he confessed to me that he was a Christian. That he believed in Jesus and wanted to serve Jesus. Again, I didn't know what to say. But he came to the States and stayed at our house. And we didn't make a big deal of it because we didn't want to set anything on a podium. But he and I went together to various places, and he gave his testimony about his love for Jesus. And my brothers and sisters, I only mention that. I don't really like to call attention to it except for this reason. It is true that when there is that person there, as Paul, as, Paul, as this person here, Saul, and later Paul, which was his name. God will take a person like that and he will use him in order to transform the church. And if I may, I look at a church like this and I pray, oh God, make these people strong and brave as Saul became a brave witness to Jesus, we're living in an age in which it seems as if the end is about to happen. And we're seeing even now among These people I was talking about a few moments ago, the Russian speaking people, there's a movement there. There's a seminary there now. Four campuses that are expressing the Reformed faith. This is the gospel of God. This is the center of the scripture, the message of God's perfection. And our unholiness and our need of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Oh, we need the Spirit so desperately. And we must begin by recognizing that persecution is a gift when God persecutes his people and uses their new status to bring in the sheaves. Oh, it's happening. And I think we as members of our broader reformed community, and I just mentioned that because that happened to be the label I carry, but... There are Methodists and Baptists and Pentecostals and people who are sold out to Christ as we who know that this is the most important book in the world recognize that we have to be praying for someone who, like Saul, became the greatest missionary in the Reformed churches. It's good to be here again today. And I do want to report that this is one of the most exciting times ever in the history of Christianity. I believe that with all my heart. When I see Jews come to Jesus as never before in many countries. I see it happening. And I see those who have been sold out to communism come to Jesus. That can only happen when the Holy Spirit of the living God finds people like Saul and captures them and turns him into a Paul who writes most of these books in the New Testament. It's so wonderful to think about these wonderful books that Paul wrote, the one who was persecuting the church so I'm just turning now to this wonderful chapter which says this and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose Paul wrote this about the Romans who are being persecuted and we who are being persecuted we need to go back over and over to this great work of the persecutor of the church Paul there's wonderful books and he calls God's people To himself. I firmly believe, if I may make a little confession, I firmly believe that the next 10, 20, 30 years are going to see an explosion of people coming to Jesus before the trumpet sounds and Jesus returns. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray together. Dear God, we uh, have been looking at your word, and we've had to come to the conclusion that you used a person one time who was absolutely dedicated to persecuting the church, and you changed him. And he became the great evangelist, the great representative. Oh, Lord, may we feel, we in America, may we feel persecution on our churches and in our schools, too, that are dedicated to you. May we realize that we're involved in a battle. And as we experience that persecution, we pray that you will raise up More and more people who will do anything in order to bring the gospel to this land in which we live and to the world. Thank you, Jesus, for the Apostle Paul who was a persecutor of your church. We pray in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.